Hey, everybody, it is Thursday. First up, we're going to break down this crazy FTX news. Sam Bankman Freed, as you know, has been in some hot water the last three or four days. We've been talking about it every day here on This Week in Startups. Well, he just did a Twitter thread for the ages. The Wall Street Journal also reporting that SBF told investors that Alameda Research, which is FTX's sister company, if you've been following this craziness, was lent $10 billion in customer funds, commingling, really bad, red flags everywhere. And Sequoia posted a note about their loss uh, with uh, FTX. They're writing it down to zero, but it's in a fund that's made billions of dollars. So really uh, a lot of transparency and a really interesting moment where Sequoia shared a note to their LPs, something that venture firms never do. And of course, we're going to talk about streaming because it's this week in streaming every Thursday here on This Week in Startups. Lon Harris is back. We're going to talk about Disney earnings and a lot of ideas I have. Uh, and Molly as well, for a Disney super app. What would that look like if Disney's app did everything? Netflix is getting into sports. And the greatest Disney Plus show ever is Andor. If you ha aren't watching it, we're going to break down why and why you need. Even if you hate Star Wars or you've never watched Star Wars, this is the best entry point ever to Star Wars. Of course, I always ask Lon at the end of the show, what should we watch this weekend? And he has two amazing, amazing, amazing recommendations one of them is for kids of the 80s and the other one if you loved boardwalk empire rocky or the sopranos it's got a second recommendation that i am going to watch tonight stick with us it's gonna be a great show this week in startups is brought to you by vanta compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business vanta makes it easier for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast twist listeners can get one thousand dollars off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. Mayfair helps venture-backed companies earn 4% on their idle cash automatically. No market risk, no switching banks required. Go to getmayfair.com slash twist to get started today. And House of Macadamias is the next big health trend. Get 20% off your first purchase at houseofmacadamias.com slash twist by using code twist20. All right. Molly, <laughs> I hate to make this this week in crypto every day, but I just interviewed SBF two or three weeks ago at that private mm -hmm. event with like 150, 200 people. Man, I got to get that tape. I know. Anyway. Were you sold? Were you all, I love this founder? No, I, I was talking just sort of about regulation with him. And so without getting too much into detail, because I agreed to keep it off the record, but you know, we were talking about regulation. I asked him a lot of tough questions, but I didn't get the sense that the house of cards was about to crumble. So, yeah. yeah. So what really today is, honestly, is this weekend amazing stories because we're going to talk about this for a minute and then we got Lon coming up. But either way, this is like the drama that is going to, I mean, call Adam Newman. Like I want yeah. him to play SBF in a weird way, but here's the latest that has developed even since we did our emergency pod and yesterday. This morning, SBF okay. took to Twitter to apologize for the collapse of his crypto empire. Uh, first, he said, I'm sorry. That's the biggest thing. I effed up and I should have done better. Mm -hmm. He posted a long Twitter thread following up his apology by tweeting about, for example, his lack of communication. He said, my hands were tied during the duration of the possible Binance deal. But then he also in one other tweet was like, I was too busy to talk to anybody about what was going on. What? Which is a oh, tough, man. I know. Like, honestly, this is the, yeah. I mean, the CEO's it's job is manic. to communicate. This right? is manic. Like, 
It's just, well, and, and it's getting distracted by like all the wrong things as opposed to here's what's happening in our business. Meanwhile, he assured FTX international users, international, mm-hmm. remember that we're talking about FTX. Yes, two different companies. He assured them that okay. FTX international is fine. <laughs> I'm sure that's Everything's true. Everything's fine. Says there, there's more than enough assets to cover deposits. Um, but he said FTX international does not have liquidity for delivery. He went on to uh, peg some of the reasons for this complete collapse on, quote, poor internal labeling of bank-related accounts. Oh, they put the wrong labels on. This they were like, is, they were this like, is customer this, accounts. This is the operating budget. I guess like, this, one is, this one is the mark, but this one is fidelity. But they forgot to put a little post-it note on that or something. Unclear what that means. He then said he uh, thought he was, because of this poor labeling, they were substantially off on their sense of users' margins. Mm -hmm. I thought it was way lower, said SBF. He thought that FTX's margins, that the leverage was zero, Mm -hmm. that they hadn't loaned out any money, I guess, that USD liquidity was ready to deliver. He thought that was 24x the average daily withdrawals, but the actual numbers were that they were 1.7x leveraged. And had 0.8x Sunday's withdrawals. He also pointed out that there were $5 billion of withdrawals on Sunday, Mm. which is where we should note that on Monday, he then tweeted, everything is fine and we have more than enough liquidity. But but those people were able to withdraw. So as much of a house of cards or shenanigans or mistakes are occurring here, some number of people were able to get their money out. So I guess so before. And then they froze. Well, they froze withdrawals for a while. Yes. Some number of people were definitely able to get their Hmm. money out. It seems I mean, like yeah. now he and says, I, and here are the real headlines, right? He's like, they're trying to raise money. They have some oh. letters of insignificance to raise <laughs> money to try to pay people back. Okay. And right. that Alameda research will be winding down trading. And that at some point he said he might have more to say about a particular sparring partner, so to speak. But says that for now, all I'll say is well played. You won. Oh, this he's referring to CZ, to CZ who was going to buy yeah. it, did the rug pull, liquidated his position, all this stuff. And yeah, CZ just said he's not buying this thing yesterday. That was part of the, or that, that was two days ago. The Wednesday he said he's not going to buy it. Anyway, after Dylan he said he's not going to buy it. Yeah, yeah. The most interesting thing about all this is, and this is always like really good psychological human thing, is that people who are screwing up the most, Molly, they, they blame other people in some cases. They blame circumstance. And then they have these, what do they call that? A persecution complex. You know, mm-hmm. you, you think of like frauds like Madoff or Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes, you know, like the world's against them. It's not true, whatever. So this is good that he is, in fact, owning this. That to me shows yeah. something that maybe this is without knowing, obviously, but that maybe he did get caught under, you know, he got a, he got a, um, he got ahead of his skis kind of situation. I yeah. mean, Yes, I think like when judges, for example, look at things like this, they do sometimes yeah. want to see remorse. And so it would be yeah. wise to Ownership. show remorse when, for example, the Wall Street Journal reports that um, Alameda Research mm-hmm. borrowed, oops, which I think is a loose term, mm. $10 billion in customer deposits from FTX. So yeah. or as uh, one of our notice puts it, they sold $10 billion in customer deposits to send to their hedge fund. 
According yeah, to this investor, FTX had $16 billion in customer assets and lent out over 50% of them to Alameda. SBF described the decision as a, quote, poor judgment call. Alameda not only collected fees from the exchange, they pursued riskier bets to bump up revenue, including arbitrage, which is, you know, buying coins cheaper on one exchange, then selling it on another for a higher price. Market making, offering to buy and sell assets on crypto exchanges throughout the day and collecting a spread between the buying and the selling price. And then, of course, yield farming, which is the thing that he himself described as almost exactly a Ponzi scheme, which is investing Matt in Levine tokens. described it and he concurred. Is that how you explained yeah, it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He described yeah. it and Matt Levine was like, you've described Correct. a Ponzi scheme word for word. And he was like, yeah, that's yeah. fair. That sounds right. Fair enough, yeah. That was in investing in tokens that pay interest rate like rewards. And this is like the kind of thing that you were talking about, which is like, you're saying this has 18% yield. Where the hell is they? Who's paying the 18%? Just to take you inside a gambler's mindset, which is, which he has. Yes. Because I've seen this. Gamblers always think, especially if they're good at what they do that they can thread the needle and they can come back, right? So they let it ride, right? right. And they, they always think they can come get whole and because they probably have so many times. So when you're really good at gambling, I know some people who are like really pro gamblers and they can always figure out a way to, to pull out a win. They got a win somehow if they, if they put their nose to the grindstone enough. And I think he's that kind of guy. And I remember when I was in uh, LA, um, I'll obscurify this a bit, but let's just say somebody who had client funds uh, and also made a lot of money, was playing in high-stakes poker games, from what I understand, unverified, unverified, unverified. And then he started losing, he started playing out of the, not his money, but out of his customers' money in their fund. So and if this was a venture capital fund, in this case it wasn't, but let's imagine well, it was. Yeah. It'd be like taking the venture money and then playing blackjack or poker with it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, you, in your mind, you're like, well, they're just bankrolling me, but I'm a winner. I'm a net winner. So it doesn't matter where I pull the funds from. I'll, I'll be able mm. to put it back until you get a couple of bad beats and then you're, you have no more bankroll and then you can't come back. And uh, this just seems like a lot of gambling going on. And, and it seems like SBF was really good at finding edge. And this is something that gamblers go through. They find edge. They find a casino where, you know, the odds are a little bit better. They find a weak poker game where there's two or three bad players who are wells. You know, they just, they find edge wherever yeah. they can. Yeah, when they think they find an edge, they try to exploit it. But you could also get caught and you know just lose six or seven coin tosses in a row. Even though the statistically it's hard for that to happen, it's also inevitable that it, that happens. Right. And if you happen to run into it, you know it can be bad. Listen, founders, very important. If you're in SaaS or you're in services and you store customer data in the cloud. You need to be SOC 2 compliant yesterday. And you don't, you, you might be hearing this and you may not even know what SOC 2 is, or maybe you heard about it. You know you're behind the eight ball. Let's get this solved today. This week, I want you to be compliant from a third party so that you can close big deals. Do it now. Do not look like a, a dope when you try to close a deal and they're like, Do you have SOC 2? And you're like, Uh, that long pause, that's going to be the sound of them going to your competitor. Use Vanta, which makes it incredibly easy to get and renew your SOC 2. On average, Vanta customers are SOC 2 compliant in just two to four weeks and compare that to three to five months without Vanta. And they partner with over two dozen audit firms who have been trained to file SOC 2 reports directly within Vanta. I was able to invest in Vanta. It's a great company. 
A bunch of my portfolio founders have used Vanta. They've had amazing experiences. They give it their highest rating. And and let's just be clear here. If you're not SOC 2 compliant, you can't close major customers. It's that simple. It's one of the first things they're going to ask for. Here's the best part of this ad read. Vanta loves this week in startups. They want to support founders and they want to support founders early. And they don't want you to break the bank. So they're going to give you $1,000 off. Think about that. Get $1,000 off at vanta.com slash twist. V-A-N-T-A dot com slash T-W-I-S-T. $1,000 off vanta.com slash twist get your sock to now the thing that i found most interesting was sequoia which i guess was getting dunked on uh because they put money in and they were saying oh there was no diligence yada yada we were speculating about that as well like where's the diligence here by all these venture investors they put out a note did you see that here yeah, it is i see the note i was not yeah. on that because i was still looking at uh i was still going no, to fun. point out that the feds seem to have been on to the gambling even Ooh. before um that is that right oh exp- unpack Bloomberg that first, reported then. that the yeah. sec and the cftc we're looking into FTX months ago, investigating mishandling on customer funds, check, and FTX's relationship with Alameda Research, check, both mm. of those things. FTX International might uh. fall outside of the regulator's jurisdiction, but the SEC and the CFTC are looking into how FTX and FTX US are structured and how related they might be. So there's I mean, this all, is where there's compliance. This is where compliance comes in. You know, in you governance. need to have. I mean, speaking of Sequoia, sure. like this is a governance, right? So, like you've described the gambler's mindset. The question is, who was in place? Clearly, no one mm. at FTX to make sure that this didn't become a casino mm-hmm. and state a business. If they had uh, an outside accounting firm, and there was a board of directors and there was a compliance officer, all that stuff could have resulted in uh, some financial accounting that would be brought to the board, Molly, Yep. at once. And it wouldn't be brought from the CEO, it would be brought from the external accounting firm that would say, hey, here's, uh, you know, hey, we just did this audit, we or we did this review, or here's October's numbers, here's the cash in the bank. And, and you know, those, those kind of accounting folks would have just checked everything. And you, you might have gotten an early signal here, right? Um, so, yep. But yeah, so here's what Sequoia said, uh, Sequoia, Capital had previously invested in FTX. There has been some dunking about the internal Slack messages that were apparently sent during one of SBF's one of SBF's pitches to them, um, which do sound a little, you know. Oh, there were. I, I, I sound a little group thing. The oh, the I love this founder. That's why I made that co- that comment because there oh, were the okay. I love this yeah. founder comments. Like you know that that here he was talking about was how it- he wanted to make FTX yeah. into an everything app, and that there was a lot of behind the scenes like. We love him. This is so great. I'm a 10 out of 10. And then later, you know, he tur- turned out he was playing League of Legends the whole time that he pitched people. I don't know, whatever. Oh. Um, I don't, I totally will probably never understand the obsession with the everything app, but that's separate. Here's the email Sequoia Capital sent to their LPs and then tweeted, like put this out publicly. They said, we're reaching out to share an update based uh, on our investment in FTX. In recent days, a liquidity crunch has created solvency risk for FTX. The full nature and extent of this risk is not known at this time. Based on our current understanding, we are marking our investment down to zero. Hmm. Sequoia Capital's exposure to FTX is limited. We own FTX.com and FTX US in one private fund, Global Growth Fund 3. FTX is not a top 10 position in the fund, and our $150 million cost basis accounts for less than 3% of the committed capital of the fund. Hmm. The $150 million loss is offset by $7.5 billion in realized and unrealized gains in the same fund. So the fund, they note somewhat dryly, mm. remains in good shape. So, um, 
just so people understand when you see some of these big bets, what they're saying here essentially is, yeah, you're going to have zeros, you're going to have outliers that overperform. And then we're gonna have ones that disappoint. That is the nature of business. This is a great note, by the way. Yeah, because what happens is when you are a fund manager. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, Mr. You said, Oh, I just was saying it's math, right? It's great in the sense that it's, it's great communication. Perfect. It's super direct and super straightforward. And also it's got like, <laughs> like math, math that makes yeah, you feel so, better because you're like, oh, okay, these numbers are fine. But here's the underlying issue. It's kind of almost like a VC Sunday school. Mm-hmm. When you're an LP in a fund and you'll, yeah, I, I, I'm going to presume in the, in the coming years, as your career goes on, you'll take advantage of perhaps opportunities that come up for you to LP other people's funds. Because now mm-hmm. that you're in the game, people might offer you if they want to do your favor. And so. When you're an LP in a fund, some people want to know, oh, what are all the names in the fund? And so you get a yearly audit and it says, here's everything that the fund invested in. And then yeah, sometimes it has like weird names that are like some, L- some not an LC, but some company name that doesn't match the actual name of the company, right? Uh, because, you know, they invested when the company was being formed or whatever. And you're trying to decode, right. like, what did they invest in? And then sometimes you find out, oh my God, this fund has Instagram in it, or this fund has, you know, FTX in it, and then you read the headlines. So you're an LP, right? And you're, you're seeing this outside signals like, Oh, my God, I got a winning ticket. And your winning ticket is in this group of tickets that's in a fund. And then there's like, what is the funds value? And then there is what is the fund realize, right? So you have like, here's what we're marking the fund at here's what it's worth on paper. And then here's the cash or equities we've distributed to date. And as a, a fund LP, what I like to do is just not start looking at all the tickets, right? All the bets that were made. I'm, I'm like, this is a road to getting distracted. I put a fund manager in charge of making 30, 40, 50 bets in a fund. Let me know how it all works out. What some people do is they like the rush of getting in there and like tracking all the individual companies. Mm-hmm. And that's what I believe a note like this is. There's probably people who have been looking at their fund statements every year and they see, holy cow, that fund has picked the highest profile company. You know, that fund yeah. has, yeah. you know, Airbnb in it. It would and be very like, reasonable for an LP to be worried about this. You know, I mean, like, of course, but of course. You're, that's not it's what you're doing. You're not doing thing to do. You're, you're betting on a, uh, a mutual fund, essentially a collection of assets. Yeah. So. This is not to the professional LP who looks at it and says, yeah, we put in 100 million, we hope to get 300 million. This is to the person who put in them. I don't know if they have a person with a millionaire, but this is the person who's like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm sweating, which is a, 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 a gambling term. I'm sweating every bet. Mm-hmm. There are people who gamble who want to like watch every play of the game. There are other people who gamble. Let me know after the game's over, you know, Sunday night, how I did on my tickets. I picked a bunch of football games on Sunday, tell me how I did at the end of the day. Other people want to sit there for 12 hours and grind their teeth. This is for the teeth grinders uh, who and are swaying smart. every bet. And I think it's very smart. And then did they, 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 they tweeted the letter knowing it would get leaked from their Twitter account, which is a superpower move. Oh, probably. because they knew the letter would get leaked. They just went ahead and tweeted it. Yeah, which was it's also sure like, super smart. Which is like a super flex. They're like, yeah, we lost 150 million. In a fund that's up 7.5 billion, know, exactly. whatever it is. Like, I like, mean, that is seriously such a power move. It's a beefcake. Okay. And uh, next up, Lon Harris. That's right. Talking about Disney earnings, Netflix getting into sports, and Andor. Here he is. There we go. Inflation and rates are two of the hottest topics right now. We talk about them every single time we do an all in podcast. 
And we talk about them increasingly here on This Week in Startups. Most founders don't know how to leverage this inflation and these increasing rates. Well, let me tell you how. Mayfair, M-A-Y-F-A-I-R. Mayfair helps you earn 4% yield on your idle cash automatically. It takes 10 minutes to set up. It works alongside all your existing banks and it's fully automated. Think about it. You got 10 million in reserves sitting around. You get an extra 400K. What do you do with that? You know what you do with it? You take your team on four offsites a year. You treat them well. You know what you do with it? You put it towards the bottom line. You make your business look even more impressive. I had this happen to me 15, 20 years ago. I was sitting on almost $20 million, but there was no service for this. So I had to do a lot of work. Now you got Mayfair. They do all the work for you. They're going to help you create that high yield cash account powered by Stripe. Your money is moved securely. Nothing to worry about. Funds are held at Evolve Bank and Trust bank that powers companies like mercury and wise okay so you think you can feel pretty safe here right connect your new account to your existing bank then mayfair automatically puts your excess cash to work in a high yield cash account and when you need the cash you can move it back anytime no hassle twist listeners get the five million dollar minimum balance requirement waived for life so you can start experimenting with this even if you only got a half milli go to get mayfair.com twist to start earning like a fortune 500 company today g-e-t-m-a-y-f-a-i-r.com slash twist get mayfair.com slash twist hey molly it's thursday and you know what thursday means the lonster i'm here Lon harris is here so much to talk about yeah disney's earnings came out i know that but most importantly andor had its 10th episode only two left this season I, you know what if this was the last episode i would have been chef's kiss at 10 yeah i got i feel I like got no i'm uh, house yeah. money i'm, I'm well, playing with the right, house it's money that, that we got we got the conclusion of this three episode prison arc written by mm. bo willem and the uh the creator of house of cards by the way mm. who knocked knocked this out of the park oh, I wow uh, this three episode arc where he's been in the prison has been just completely stellar. I think I just, is, I am not caught up. Feel free to oh. like spoil away. Cause I will be, but I just watched the episode where he got sent to the prison and I was like, right. whoa, whoa, plot yeah. twist. We're only, yeah. we're only, we're only a few. So you spoil met away. Andy Serkis cool. and his little table of guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, you just saw him get I sent haven't. to the prison. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Th- so that's next. The, the prison itself is extraordinary. The show had zero lightsabers. Yeah. To date. Mostly politics. No force chokes. Huh? Most episodes didn't even have a blaster. Is there any? Maybe is there force even? No, no. force. Nobody's choke. using no. force. Nobody's using force. No Jedi has showed up, and it is as taut and as intense as any of the most intense moments of Star Wars. It's a plus. Yeah, plus. it's it's the best. I think it's the best Disney Plus anything so far. Best show. Best. It's the best thing I've seen so far that was made for Disney Plus. I think. Mandalorian, I think we forget how good that was, but yeah, I, I really would say. Like, I really like Mandalorian, but this is, every other Star Wars thing, shows, films, all of them, they're very different, they'll explore different genres, but they always try to keep that core, that that tone, that vibe, that George Lucas throwback retro adventure serial, it's like Flash Gordon and all the pop art stuff that George Lucas grew up with, and like, that's what Star Wars is sort of honoring. And I love that this is in a recognizably Star Wars world, but it it doesn't have that tone. This is 70s conspiracy, th- you know, thriller. This is spy movie. Like, this is just going after a totally different tone. It's still in the Star Wars, you know, timeline, mm. but it just doesn't, it's the first time ever that it doesn't feel like Star Wars. And I, it's so refreshing. I, I love that. I feel like it also might be the most stylish 
Star Wars anything that I have ever seen. Like, I am obsessed with the outfits in the yeah, show. I tweeted yeah. last night. I was like, Andor has <laughs> made me realize that I need a lot more dramatic hoods in my life. Like, a lot. Capes. I need that red belted quilted coat with the big hood and the, like, knee-high boots immediately. Right. I need I everything like- Mon, Mothma, Mon Mothma has ever worn. Yeah. Like, the style, style in the show... Yeah. I know that seems like a silly thing to focus on, but every time I watch it, I'm just like, uh, you are not incorrect. It's beautiful. Last night, my wife was like, hold on. I want to see that shot again. It's just amazing shot of Mon Mothra in her apartment, which we find out is an apartment that is somehow like a national treasure. I don't know if you caught that lawn that she's not yeah. allowed to make changes to it. Right. So well, she's, she's, lit- she's living in the em- it'd be the Chandrillan embassy. She's the Chandrillan right. senator. So I guess she's uh, living in yeah, there. Their so government they, building on Coruscant. So Molly, it's just such a tiny little throwaway line where she says, you know, like, I can't make many changes to it, but because the person is like, my God, this is so gorgeous. And she lives in, you know, a space that is inspiring, but classic, looks like it's a thousand years old. And there's just a shot of her through like a couple of the doorways with these geometric shapes of the doorways that is just next level. And I think, Lon, you really hit on this. Beautiful. It does have a 70s thriller. It does have a 60s to 70s architecture, Planet of the Apes, when they had them return back to, you know, um, the movie where they come back to the United States uh, yeah. in, in modern times. And that was actually filmed, I think, at the Beverly um, Mall, whatever that mall is, C- Century City Mall, which was like right. a... Yeah. Oh, is, that, so the, is that Conquest for the Planet of the Apes? I think it's Apes? Conquest. Yeah. So the, the really interesting thing here is, I think you nailed it. Whoever is driving this, or different aspects of it, did a heist film? They did a psychological thriller like Three Days of the Condor. Yeah. They've done a prison escape from Alcatraz type send up. Yeah. Th- this is five or six mm. different homages, it feels like, are coming to roost of perhaps the greatest era of cinema, 60s and 70s. For you and I, the yeah. avant garde 60s and 70s, the easy rider era of films the godfather yeah. the, the way they're also layering in it's incredible. so smart we we you know star wars it's always played it's very like black and white good versus evil that's that's by design you know that's the kind of story it's a space opera that's the kind of storytelling it is but this is i think it's he's trying to bring a little bit more of a sense of like real the real history of revolutions and and to make it a little bit more like gray like especially this past week which i won't spoil but there's a like part of the theme of everybody's compromise, you know, like the even the the early rebels have to adopt the the tactics of the Imperials in order to fight them. And and so everybody's kind of getting plunged into this morally gray kind of morass. And there's an episode even and you you might have seen this already, Molly, I'm not sure, where they're back on Ferrix, where mm-hmm. Andor, Andor's home planet and you basically recreate the the Boston Massacre, this very famous incident from the American Revolution, where there's stormtroopers marching on this side, and there's protesters on this side, and they're throwing rocks or whatever, yep. and these guys end up in the middle trying to break it up, and then the stormtroopers turn around and they open fire, and it's a tableau, like there's a really famous painting of the Boston Massacre that they're obviously recreating, and I mean, to put that level of thought into the star wars revolution you know like not a real historical rebellion but we're kind of treating it like it is and thinking about all the little steps that would lead to it is so smart really cool i have it's been great but peripheral oh yeah yeah go ahead (laughs) i have i I like peripheral too there it is yeah there it is oh my god it does look just like that 
Yeah, and they and they didn't actually show the blasters go off. So right, no, I think they, they, they but they did think about which is the, even more the, upsetting. And yeah, I think yeah. they did think about the architecture of that, like the way that the way that that yes. famous painting sort of captures it. They recreated it pretty clearly. Yeah. But uh, this is my confession: I went ahead and I watched two episodes, three episodes ahead of my wife. I'm oh not proud God. of it, <laughs> but I did it and uh, apologize. But I told her. It's so effing good. I had to get ready for the show. And I watched it again. And this is what, when I know something is clicking in this oversaturated golden era of content production and the variability that comes with that. I paid more attention on the second viewing than the first. Hmm. The first viewing, you know, you have your phone, you know, you get a little distracted here or there, a little Twitter comes in, text message, signal, whatever, you get a little distracted. The second time I just turned my phone off. And I gave it 100% of my attention because when I was giving it partial attention, when I watched it on my own, 80, 90%, like I normally do with these shows, a little distracted, I wanted to savor it more. It was like for me going back to a great restaurant and saying, you know what? I, it had such a profound experience with these two or three dishes. I'm having them again, but I'm going to eat the food slower. And, and that's what I did. This show yeah. is tremendous. The only other time I've watched something twice on Disney Plus to date was I did take the girls through Mandalorian a second time because they loved it so much and mm. uh, kudos to everybody over there. It's just incredible. If you haven't seen yeah. Andor yet, I will say, even if you've never watched a Star Wars film, start here. I think that might be the legacy of the show long is yeah. start yeah. here. Well, it's, Andor, it's just you don't have to. You don't have to watch any other thing in the Star Wars no, universe, right. honestly. Like this is a standalone. It's kind of like Logan, you know, the film. Like you yeah. don't have to care about X-Men or comic book movies or whatever you could watch logan and be like holy crap that is a phenomenal movie and story and that's kind of how i feel about andor it's almost like decoupled could be completely decoupled from mm. the star wars universe in a way because it's just like a fantastic show yeah that's what i that's exactly what i was thinking too i i, I you, you almost don't and that's what's another thing that's so great about it is it's not it's not about elbowing you in the ribs and remembering that guy and that Easter egg and who's that guy from that thing. And there's room for that. I'm not saying I never want to do that or never want to show like that. But it's so nice to not do, ever be expected to do that. There's no guys you need to remember. They have had a few random references to the original Star Wars films, like real deep cut stuff just for the... There's the guy who runs the Imperial Security Bureau, the ISB. Like, yes. Not the guy we're used to seeing, the old guy who runs those meetings, but his boss? Yeah, that the mustache is actually, guy. That's a character from the original Star Wars films that they've kind of retconned, like a random he Imperial was around the table. Right. He was around the table during the debate where Vader choked somebody. That's exactly right. That's that. Yes. He's, he's a guy that is uh, in A New Hope. But they've just retconned him that he was in the ISB in this era. So there are those things there if you are a big enough fan to catch them. But you don't need to. It completely it's works on its own. over fan service. I, mm -hmm. I'm a little no. exhausted from watching certain shows and having to say Easter eggs, get the list, and then yeah. find the screenshots. So, like, I just watched Man of Steel with my daughters, my six-year-olds. They loved it. Uh, it took three sittings. I, uh, not, I like not Man a bad of, film. I think, think Man of Steel is a pretty good movie. Personally. Pretty good film. And um, I just had to go online to find the 18 Easter eggs in there, oh. of which only two or three of them were relevant. But uh, yeah, congratulations yeah. to the Disney Corporation. Yeah. All right, listen. My favorite nut, macadamia. My favorite chocolate, dark. Now I have in my office 
nice box of macadamia bars and dark chocolate and i got dark chocolate covered macadamias a perfect snack for jcal i get a nice cup of black coffee and i treat myself and that company is house of macadamias the founders of this company brandon and carmen they've been listeners to this podcast this week in startups for a long time and they told me i kid you not that they started their company after they listened to this week in startups and they read my book angel they used the returns on their first angel investment i kid you not this is amazing uh to start this macadamia nut business and uh look all nuts are not created equal here are the the health benefits of macadamias compared to peanuts almonds cashews and walnuts macadamias are high in omega-7s which have been linked to fat loss which i need right and natural collagen so you look nice they also have more healthy fats and less carbs every product is vegan keto and paleo since yeah you probably have two or three of those uh, on your list take it from me i eat these macadamias all the time every week two or three times a week i eat them they're delicious my little treat for myself and uh again for me it's, it's dark chocolate for you it might be one of the other flavors they got spicy nuts they got sweet nuts they got everything they got ones that are spicy and sweet here's what i want you to do go to house twist right now get 20 percent off by using the code twist 20 that's code twist 20 for 20 percent off at house of twist j trading is back today the stock market is surging again because inflation is uh, apparently tempered a little bit and we might be um seeing some light around the corner but it was all green today, Lon. I just want to, I know that you've been wondering yeah, uh, if always. I'm going broke or not. Uh, apparently, I'm not going broke, folks. I'm still in Even the game. Your Facebook trade apparently is up 15%. You made seven grand. This is what I've learned, Lon. Wow. Yeah, but I'm, on the, I'm on the mend here. I was down as much as 20 yeah. plus percent. Well, and I'm on the mend here. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, but I, I feel particularly good about my, uh, this, in a sea of red, my absolute cutthroat Facebook trade based strictly on zuckerberg channeling his his inner you know darth maul has um has paid off but let's talk about my disney let's talk oh, okay. about my sure. disney the let's stock talk about money. disney yeah let's yeah. talk about disney okay let's and the and how much it's spending on really really good shows like andor mm. so um Disney reported fiscal Q4 and full year earnings for fiscal 2022 the stock was initially down about 13% on Wednesday due to missing revenue expectations. I would imagine that is not the case today. Um, mm. Q4 results, let's see, because they have this offset fiscal calendar, by the way, in case you're wondering how it's already Q4, Disney lives in the future. That revenue uh, was $20.1 billion, up 9% mm. year over year. That was a slight miss on expectations. Disney stock is up 2.5% today. Parks revenue grew about 36% year over year to 7.4% billion dollars so the covid effect is clearly over in the parks uh people are back and then media and entertainment revenue fell about three percent year over year to 12.7 billion dollars net income 162 million up one percent year over year basically flat free cash flow was 1.37 billion dollars that number is down about 10 percent year over year but still positive like you know right. they have free cash flow of 1.3 billion dollars all that yeah. matters, all that matters is that they keep pulling the string on Disney Plus. Yep. They must, they must invest in Disney Plus and they must start selling merch from Disney Plus, which they have said they were going to do after I told them for a year on CNBC. I told them, Lon, a, years before they said they were going to do this, I said, imagine if, you know, you could buy merch. They need to break the silos. There is one product. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm going to be a CEO of any large corporation at the moment, 
and I'm including that I am not going to become CEO of Disney. But for F's sake, I need to be the CEO of Disney. Because here's what I do day one. That Chapek guy sucked. Sorry. <laughs> day one, bring me the head of Disney Plus, the head of Disney Merch, the head of blah, blah, blah. Bring me all the heads. And I say, where do you live, Lon? And everyone guys, oh, I'm here. Mm -hmm. The other lady says, I'm over here. This other person says they're here. I say, great. You know where you live now? This is where you live. And I just point to the giant conference room. I said, nobody leaves the conference room. Until this product is one singular product. No more fiefdoms. I want one product. You log into Disney Plus. You buy your tickets to the park. You go to the park. You buy whatever lunch you want to buy in Disney Plus. Disney Plus is one Uber super app. The end. We're done here. Make it work as one consumer experience. I want to open Disney Plus, And I want my daughters to see the top 10 best days to go to Disney based on uh, how many people are going to be there. I want them to see the top 25 Marvel products that are coming, the limited edition, the sneakers, whatever. One product to unite them all. That's what needs to happen here. They'll get there. It's going to take two I mean, or three years. Chapik mm -hmm. has said this, then, yeah. is the, this is the end goal. And, and he tends to talk about it not only in terms of everything you're saying, in terms of practical integration, mm. like I'm, on, I'm watching Moana on Disney+. Plus. Hey, do you want a Moana tea? I feel mm. like that's obvious. But Chapik is talking about it even on the next level of integration, which would be the data. Like, it, Disney Plus knows you went to Disneyland last month mm. and that you went on Pirates of the Caribbean twice. So when you load up Disney Plus today, it's going to feature Pirates of the Caribbean on the front page and be like, hey, do you want this Jack Sparrow Funko? You love this ride. And like, yep. so to not only have your experience all integrated, but the it D Disney Plus is smarter about your Disney taste than you are, maybe. Molly, give me your best Disney super app idea. Because uh, uh, maybe I'm put you on the board. What is your best? Take a second to think it through because, Lon, building on yours. Nobody leaves the room until this is fixed. I want a Disney, uh, in Disney Plus, each child gets a login, right? My kids have logins. Mm -hmm. whatever ride they went on with their disney wristband or whatever right that's that's the idea is with the, the wristbands app. they can they're tracking you all it's westworld they're following yeah. you all the time through here we app. go and yeah. so it says marvel disney pixar star wars and the fifth one is parks you click on parks it shows how many times you've been to the parks how many times you've been on each ride which rides you haven't been on and it shows your path through the park you know in the pictures yeah. apple shows you the pictures of your life previously and they're like remember like you want to cry dad and there's, it starts showing me like London's first trip to like, you know, Disney and stuff like that, right? I start getting some of those. I want all that in the app. I want to be reminded of all the joy we had there. And then just show me the rides we did, what we didn't, go back, take another picture. Hey, here's a picture from when you went on Pirates. Take another picture with your family and, and add it to your collection here. Everything in one. The, the one Disney super app. And, and every then, yeah, album. I mean, Listen and, and to every song. When you think about how that everything that gets integrated in that way then makes the core company smarter. I mean, that's mm -hmm. really what they like is that they can then Data. see like, look at all these people, not only watching Encanto, but buying the soundtrack, getting this. We need an Encanto parade at the mm -hmm. park. You know, like it, it's it's that level of, of integration where every division Ooh. is learning from every other division and making Ooh. it better. Oh, now. See, this is where the three of us at the table, Molly, makes everything different. Right. So here we are in the Disney War Room. And Molly, 
now that we have all this data on Encanto, uh-huh. we say every first Tuesday, which happens to be the slowest day of, uh, you know, whatever, we, you know, at Disney Parks, Encanto Tuesdays. The parade, the food, everything goes Tuesday, Wednesdays to that theme. And you know who knows that? The people who watch Encanto more than three times mm-hmm. and who sing the songs. Right. They get that when they open the app. Now, we all get Andor. And they're going to have an Andor meet and greet with the characters. And they're going to do a cosplay. And they're going to have Andor outfits. And, and we come on the Andor weekend. This is the stuff yeah. that, that would make Disney 10x. Yeah. And I, as a shareholder, as a very influential shareholder, <laughs> okay, I am just letting people know I'm not f- activist. I'm constructivist at this moment in time. But I will not stay constructive. I'm a constructivist. I, I think that's a word in the English language. I don't know. Hopefully that does isn't some dark it group is, of people but from I think history. It's a, I think constructivism is like a thing. It is a thing. Please don't let it be some horrible thing where they massacre like, people in the world. Mayday, mayday. Constructivism is a check on that. Constructivism is an educational just, theory that posits that individuals or learners don't acquire knowledge and understanding passively, but in a direct process oh. of knowledge transmission. So there you go. It's just, it's like, the cool, yeah. Good. You it's that they didn't commit yeah. genocide, right? The constructivist no, 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 no. didn't the wipe is not, out no, no, a no, continent. No, no. There's really anything. like yeah. a there's a there's a community building play that could be built into that too. I will give you my one idea, and then mm. I will go back to the revenue for uh, Disney Plus specifically. But not only so everything you said. I get to the park, I pull up the app based on my viewing history in the mm. app. It has a map for me. It's like you are going to enjoy this and this and this. Here's your personalized map, and here are other people in the park who share. The same interests of, as you. You could opt into this, obviously, but you could literally have. You could sort of have data feed meetups in the park. You could share pictures, like you could literally just make friends and be part of a community of people who are into all of the same things you are, based on Disney guiding your experience through the parks with yeah. information about what you have watched and purchased in the past. I mean, it's also how they can start to think about and divvy up their own consumers. I mean, you were talking about Andor is a great example. If you're watching Andor, it probably leans towards your your older, you maybe have a little bit more disposable income and totally. you love Star Wars. Those are the people we need to promote the the, the Star Wars cruises to the the higher end experiences, you know, the people watching Tales of the Jedi, they're probably younger. Those are probably more kids. They're the ones to promote video games to. But, you know, like you could start to slice and dice the audience that way. Yep. All right. Well, let's go through uh, real quickly some of the streaming metrics because I want to talk about Netflix briefly. Mm. Um, but this leads into that. So total Disney Plus subs were up 39% year over year to 164.2 million. Those people are, it's an average monthly revenue per user of $3.91. Disney Plus is on a $7.7 billion revenue run rate at its Ooh. current size and price. Ooh. Let's compare to Netflix, which currently has 223 million paid subs, growing mm-hmm. at 4.5% year over yep. year. Yep. And that's an about $11.84 average monthly revenue per user. Netflix mm-hmm. is currently on a $31.7 billion run, revenue run rate at its current size and price because of pricing. So in August, mm-hmm. you see, I think what you're starting to see in these numbers is a little bit of the impact, right, of, of Disney in August announcing a price hike for Disney Plus starting mm-hmm. December 8th. Monthly yeah. will jump from $8 a month to $11 a month. I think they probably had a surge. I'm, 
like people who signed up real quick to get the uh, get grandfathered into this pricing. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't know if Almost you are definitely. grandfathered in, but monthly anyway, monthly pricing will jump from eight dollars a month to eleven. Annual will jump from eighty per year to one hundred and ten dollars mm. a year, and then they're going to offer this ad supported tier for eight dollars a month. It's original price, which is a thirty seven point five percent price hike in both Let's areas. Go. Let's go. Introductory pricing is just that you pay for value here. The advertising tier is going to be insane. I'm just letting people know now Mm -hmm. the ability to capture whatever number of people they get on the advertising tier is going to be extraordinary. And I think they, there are creative ideas they could use around here around uh, consumption. Like they could do a special where they say, Hey, we're signing people up for $1. Let, you know, let's say they start hitting that Netflix natural audience, sign up for $1, pay with Apple Pay, you know, like super easy, double click, pay $1, and you get the summer free. But we got to get, yeah, you put your email address in, whatever. They can do all kinds of interesting things like that, or say, you know what, this, this uh, documentary series is very important, or Star Wars is having its 30th anniversary, whatever the 40th anniversary of the, the, the original film, right? 27, would that be? We're going to make Star Wars for free for the month. All Star Wars series free for the month. Uh, but you got to sign up. They can do all kinds of crazy stuff like that. That would be ad supported. Again, let's get around the table here. Who's our biggest advertiser? Who want? Oh, Olympics are coming up. Olympic advertising. Great. We're going to make Disney. Yeah. You know, or this new Ford is coming out. Family car, new minivan. The summer of the new Honda Odyssey. Disney brought to you by Honda Odyssey. For the summer for your kids, you can sign up and get a hundred hours of watch whatever shows you want. And it just has the Honda Odyssey logo on the bottom right for the whole thing. It zips by, it tells you all the features. Yeah. Now the entire country and your kids are obsessed with the Honda Odyssey because it's got 18 TVs. Every they turn left lawn, they see a TV, they turn right, there's a TV. They look down, they fall asleep, there's a TV in their lap on the floor. Just TVs everywhere. So your kids are just super programmed. That's why I'm buying the stock. I'm not telling you to buy the yeah. stock, Molly. But Wait, so you stock. redesigned both Disney and the Honda Odyssey in this conversation? For sure. I bring I lost on. track a little Honda bit. Honda Odyssey's coming to the war room. Yeah. Gonna, I mean, it, it's uh, interesting. In the how Honda Odyssey is where I'm going to watch a hell of a lot of Netflix. <laughs> exactly. Let's, let's, let's well, move on say, to Netflix. Netflix too, they're also kind of adopting this philosophy of using the ad supported tier as kind of both an both a introductory sales pitch and a mm. way to bring in revenue. Like, the the knives out sequel that's going to run ad free or they're going to have just a quick pre-roll ad to like induce you like sign up for netflix with ads you don't even have to watch any ads and watch knives out too and then that's how they're going to like like lure in new people mm. i guess so it's Love a similar it. kind of idea that they could start bespoke streams just to get people interested it's a, it mm. feels like the battle is really on in streaming so much so that lon just dipped yeah, yeah well, I was there, like, yeah, these ideas are too heavy. Like, this. Let me run this up the flagpole. Let's see if Lon salutes. Take the uh, She-Hulk episode. You do a bonus between season episode. Only available for the next uh, 30 days. If you go buy a Happy Meal, you take a, a filet of fish is my choice. Uh, you take a picture of the QR code on your filet of fish Happy Meal, and it mm-hmm. unlocks in your app that bonus footage, that bonus, a full bonus episode that will launch sure. with a new thing. They could drive a million people into a McDonald's this weekend. To buy we, a are, we are standing on the the very press like there there's a whole world of these kinds of these levels of deep integrations that are 
right over the horizon. I mean, this is what everybody's working on right now. They're they're just sitting around the table. Work faster and harder. Let's go. It's the first round of like, what can we do tying all this stuff together? So yeah. that that's that's right now. And then by next year, 2024, we're going to start seeing very weird, creative, interesting, deep mm. integrations of all of these kinds of things. I think of a kind we've never really seen before because, yeah, just as you the said. the competition is hot. It's everybody's got these apps on their phones and they're at your home in your energy. They're, they're everywhere you are. They're on your laptop. They're wherever you're going. And all of these networks and broad media companies know that. And these, yeah, these deep integrations of, oh, you're at this place. We've got this deal at this place because you watched right. this thing. Exactly. Three right, lessons. Well, speaking. Yes. Raise your prices. Innovate. Engage. This is what great product and founders, CEOs did. Raise those prices. You want to uh, innovate and you want to increase engagement. Not, yeah. not those two users, have to go together, those first two. The last you can't thing just I do the one thing without the other thing. because We've talked yeah, about course, this entirely yeah. in terms of Disney+, Plus, but bear in mind, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, they're, they're the same. It's basically, it, it, from Disney's perspective, it's all one thing. So... It's the same with all your Hulu shows. It's the same with all your streams on ESPN Plus, whatever sports you're into. Like, they're going to know all of that as well. Speaking of sports, according to Wall Street Journal sources, Netflix is looking into getting into live sports, which is something that I think people have been after them to do for a long time. Netflix has been bidding on streaming rights for live sports. Talk about an area that's getting more and more competitive, though. Um, They have in those... That bidding has included the UK rights to the Women's Tennis Association and cycling competitions, France and UK rights for ATP tennis and F1 racing. And last year, Netflix was actually in talks to buy the World Surf League, but talks fell through over price. Other big tech streamers, of course, have been investing in live sports recently. Amazon spent that $11 billion for an 11-year Thursday night football deal. I know at least one person who canceled cable over that. Just like now, I, I mean... If sports was the thing that was keeping a lot of people in their cable bundles, right. that yeah. is, we have reached a tipping point now. I think Apple paid $85 million or pays $85 million a year for its MLB Friday night baseball deal. And then of course, Apple and Amazon both rumored to be in the bidding war for NFL Sunday ticket. Yeah. And, and like that, that's we're we're kind of the last big one to fall is like Sunday ticket. And once that's figured out, Basically, almost all the major sports have kind of figured out their streaming plans and we're just left with the stragglers and the last second ones. And yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, Netflix kind of waited a really long time. I feel like they might have waited a little too long and now they've gotten outbid and what's left. I mean, I don't even, you know, World Surf League, great, but that's not appointment viewing in the way that baseball and football and soccer games are for people. What's up so. with NBA? Like, why not? I could, why not, NBA. why is nobody bidding on NBA? Like Netflix, no, they're going, take NBA, that's, do that. that that's going to be starting. Yeah, it's yeah. the next big package that comes up. I think 2024 or something will be NBA. Yeah, a couple yeah. of years out. Right, it's it's just right. when the next, when it comes up for auction next, it'll be on the, on the. And on they the, say that's going to be like the big one. Um, that'll they, be a they, massive. They're saying player salaries are going to get upwards of like 80 million a year at Molly. So this whole like 30, 40, 50 million a year, like super packages people do five years for 40 yeah. they get 200 million you know like we saw those 200 million dollar deals you're like whoa now imagine 80 million times five 400 these people are going to be getting a half billion dollar deals as a all-star player in the league that's that's the rumor is that th- that deal will double it 
That's yeah, bananas. you know, the NBA really was working NBA League Pass in a big way. So I've been paying for NBA League Pass for six or seven years as a Knicks fan, not living in New York anymore, just because I want the ease of it. So it's they have a two two prong strategy: sell the stuff to networks, TNT, ABC, NBC, and let you buy direct. So I, they, it's very interesting. If you buy NBA League Pass, I get the local MSG feed. And when it's commercials, I pay Molly to not have commercials. And I see them doing like the local Kia, Sorrenta, you know, half court shot. Like they, they don't put commercials in. You get to see like what's going on in the arena, which to me just makes it like some really cool throwback. But yeah. that's going to be a major one. I think the, the NBA one is after, right after yeah. the NFL one is going to be yeah. huge. You get the kiss cam going, you know, <laughs> when they do the kiss cam. <laughs> well, they always do it like it's like, you know, like me and Lon are sitting next to each other. And like, we're like, no, 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 no. Then we like pretend we're going to kiss. And then they widen the shot and our girlfriends are on the other, or wives are on the other side. Exactly. Yeah. And we turn because those our memeable girlfriends. moments on yeah, your streaming network. Yeah, they know how to go viral with the kiss cam. Yeah. I'm telling you the cam, best thing, mm. the literal best thing I've ever seen at an NBA game ever was baby racing. Ever in my entire life at a Cleveland Cavaliers game in Cleveland, baby racing. Like put that stuff mm. on Netflix, people oh. will pay extra. I, you know, I saw that. I just thought. You know, the uh, the uh, electric prod was a little too much for me with the baby racing. Like, just <laughs> yeah. let them organically do it. You totally they don't, shock they don't the remember. And yeah. so, that's the right. They don't remember new memories yet. Yeah. Exactly. And good no good point in our notes too, which is that once you go ad based, like with Netflix rolling out an advertising tier, you gotta get some sports in there because that is one of the few things that advertisers still really, really want to pay for. Sports. They love live. They love they live. Love live. Yeah. 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 Big thing. Perfect synergy. All right. Right. Anything left in streaming or is Lon dismissed? Lon is dismissed. Uh, I think that's, that's the big stuff. With yeah. love. I think, of course. One I understand. We didn't even talk about the peripheral though. Watch the dang peripheral. Yeah, I'm, gonna catch I'm really up. enjoying. I'm really enjoying the peripheral, and, and amazingly, it is so complicated, but it's never confusing. Like I, I, I don't ever feel like even because it's the producers of Westworld, and and but even it, I feel it feels even more streamlined than Westworld. I never have that moment of like wait, who was that guy? And who does that guy work for? Like, they're, they're doing a very good job of keeping all these different timelines and all mm. these various characters kind of clear. Is impressive. As somebody who read yeah, the book, I which, can tell you like that is a hard so task because it's complex, yeah. but not it's confusing. Right. You're I always like able it. to I tell like who's who and where they're like, what the what the mission is and where they're going and what the goal is. But when you really step back and think about this world, it's a very elaborate sci-fi mm. premise. I mean, it's William Gibson, so it's very like, yeah. Yeah. I like it's I like got that Gibson. yeah neuromancer sort of complexity. Check Give it us out. Out. the number one obvious choice for the weekend in terms of media consumption. And then give us one deep pull, and then you are oh. dismissed, sir. Okay. Well, What's me, the obvious me... choice this weekend? What's everybody going to go do? What's everybody looking forward to in the next week or so? And then what's well, a deep I mean, pull? I think, you know, a big thing I would recommend that's been out there for a week or so that anybody can watch because it's on Roku is Weird, the Weird Al Yankovic biopic. Very funny. Not what you're expecting. Very well done. Daniel Radcliffe stars as Weird Al. Uh, what you've got Harry Potter's Daniel, Weird Al David, Daniel Radcliffe stars as Weird Al Evan Rachel Wood plays Madonna Rain Wilson is Dr. Demento it's done like it, wow. it's both a real Dr. Demento bio the radio guy yeah it's both a real uh. biopic about Weird Al's actual career and rise to fame but also like a walk hard parody of Bohemian Rhapsody and walk the line 
and those kinds oh, of I movies. Can't so wait. I can't it invents wait. stuff about his life and career, but also tells like the real kinds of story. And it's, it's so like very a Pee Wee well Herman done. type thing. Yeah. Like he, semi- yeah, Jorma Taccone from Lonely Island plays Pee Wee Herman in the movie. Pee Wee Herman in the oh, film. Oh, Pee Wee makes There's a lot of, cameo? There's lots of that. Kinta Brunson plays Oprah Winfrey. There's a lot of like people playing 80s celebrities ah, working into the movie. That's fantastic. I really like that. Uh, the other thing that's coming up this weekend that is a uh, high profile on Sunday night, Tulsa King debuts on Paramount Plus. That's the new Taylor Sheridan show starring Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone's first major TV role ever in history. Uh, and it was co-produced by Ter- Taylor Sheridan, who does Yellowstone, but also oh. Terrence Winter from Boardwalk Empire and The Sopranos wrote and is the showrunner on this on this bad what? boy. What? So, Boardwalk yeah. Empire Sopranos person is doing a show. Terrence Winter co-created this show with Taylor Sheridan, and it is uh, Sylvester Stallone plays a New York mafia don or capo who got out of prison after like a 20-year prison sentence, and his (laughs) boss sends him to Tulsa, like go to move to Tulsa and start a new crew for us in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So it's sly as this like old New York gangster trying to start a new- What what time period? 80s, 90s, 70s, today? I think it's present day. I believe it's set in the present day. Whoa. So he's going to have a smartphone, maybe. He's going to have a smartphone, but it's like he's got to start a crew. And then, you know, the, it, it, there's not a mafia presence in Tulsa, but there's all sorts of like freelance, you know, people just doing crime. So it's like he's got to organize yeah, these guys. And it, it looks really fun. Uh, well done. And, and uh, that's coming up. Everybody Paramount Plus. It just doesn't do a good job of promoting their stuff. Twitter.com slash lawns. L-O-N-S. He's on the Twitter. Uh, verified account. No blue check uh, yet, but maybe I'll pay my. I had the blue check. I got you the blue check back in the day. I never had a blue check. I've never had. A blue I thought check. I made that call for you. Okay, no, my bad. No. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. see what I can do. One day, you have eight bucks. Uh, so good luck, Lon, and uh, we'll see you next Thursday. Oh, Always national treasure, Lon Harris, the national treasure. You're gonna get enough Lon here. Inside.com/slash/streaming. He does a newsletter for me too. Lon's awesome. Just I love that guy. His Twitter feed is a damn delight. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. It's Thursday. What a long couple of weeks it's been for all of us. Stock market's roaring back. Companies are crashing and burning like FTX. And the wheel keeps on spinning. And if the wheel is going to keep on spinning, we're going to be here with you every day. Molly, myself, Rachel reporting, Lon Harris, producer Nick, all of the cast of characters here on This Week in Startups to break down the news with you. If you have ideas for topics or things you want us to address on Twitter with TWI Startups, or you can email producers at thisweekinstartups.com goes to the whole crew. So tell us who you want on the program, ideas you have, topics you want us to cover. And uh, there's still two days left in this week. So tomorrow, Friday, uh, we got a great show for you. And then Sunday, we do VC Sunday School and Climate. Tell your friends about This Week in Startups and go to youtube.com slash thisweekin. Sign up, hit the bell. You'll know when we go live to randomly talk about breaking news stories. Okay, that's it for us on a Thursday. I'll see you tomorrow, Friday. Bye-bye. <laughs>